guys, welcome back to the Fresh Fiction Podcast. I'm Gwen Reyes, I'm your new best friend, and I am so excited about today's little mini episode that I did where I interviewed a new author to me, and hopefully a new author for a lot of you guys, Deborah White-Smith. She is the author of First Impressions, which came out back in April, and what I thought was so great about this book is it is a retelling of Pride and Prejudice, and her whole series, she's got a whole entire um, Jane Austen series that is out and available for you right now. Modern retellings of Jane Austen books. So she has first impressions and she actually stopped by the podcast to talk to me. I loved this book. I thought it was great. And I also really loved my interview with Deborah. So tune in for that. Thank you so much to Bethany House for their generous sponsorship of the podcast. We're so excited that we get to continue to work with them. And we are really excited about you guys joining us on this journey. So make sure you're liking the podcast on Twitter. Uh, joint following us on Instagram and as well as on Facebook and more importantly subscribe to the podcast so you can see whenever our new episodes are up and available to go on your next trip with you until then enjoy this interview with Deborah White Smith Welcome back, everybody, to the Fresh Fiction Podcast. I am now joined by Deborah White-Smith, who has um, a series of books that she just re-released that are all based off of one of my favorite authors, and I'm sure also one of Deb's favorite authors, uh, Jane Austen. And we're going to dive right into First Impressions. But first, uh, Deborah, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted. Oh, we're so excited to have you. And um, just for our listeners, can you do you mind giving a little bit about yourself and how you started writing? Well, um, I was an avid reader from, uh, I guess, junior high. Um, I just really began to read and love it. And um, I think it all just started with Gone with the Wind, actually. <laughs> when I was in eighth grade, I read every word of that and just kept reading and kept reading up until my mid-20s. And um, decided to major in English for college. I didn't get serious about college until my mid-20s. And then uh, during a college lecture, a test review, I uh, decided to start writing a novel. I decided that I could, these authors were, were reading, I could probably do what they did. Uh-huh. So I started writing a novel in the class. And, of course, it was awful. But anyway... <laughs> Um, I, uh, was feeling, I was in college and as I progressed through college, I wound up doing my master's degree thesis on Jane Austen and the heroes in Pride and Prejudice and Sense and Sensibility. And, um, I just thought while I was doing that thesis, man, I would love someday to write a, a fiction series, uh, you know, modern day spinoffs or retellings of Jane Austen's work. And I had begun to write at that point as well and to publish some. But um, it just kind of all evolved until, uh, you know, uh, about 15 years ago when the books, uh, the Jane Austen Fiction Series released initially. And now here we are again, uh, re-releasing with Bethany House, and I'm just honored and excited about that. So how did um, how did the re-release go? Did you did you publish them um, originally yourself, and then Bethany House came to you, or were you with a different publisher? I was with a different publisher. Okay. Um, I was with Harvest House Publishing. And um, I was writing to them quite a bit and just pitched the idea to them, and they loved it. And uh, released the books one every six months, I believe, over a three-year period. And a first impression back in the day was a Retailer's Choice Award finalist. I think Reason and Romance was, too. So they were very well received in the market. But that all happened before the e-books 
kicked in. Right. So they were never put into ebook format. And so, oh, about 18 months ago, I guess, Bethany House emailed me and just said, hey, are these books, you know, are available? And I, for, we really want to get them in ebooks. And I was, I was like, sure, they're out of print. I've got the rights back on them. So let's do this. So here we are. And, and of course, it's e- they're now available in ebooks, which I have a lot of readers requesting that for years. So that, I'm excited about that. And then, of course, they're also available in these, um, the, the actual print as well for people who prefer the print book. Yeah, that's really, I mean, I think that readers just, they love Jane Austen for herself, but I think that there's also such, um, an interest and a love for authors to provide like their own versions and their own stories and versions of the, of the Jane Austen books. And I think readers just kind of eat it all up. Oh yes. Yes. And, um, I don't know. I never get tired of Jane Austen. Right. I never get tired of the movies, the books. She just has the timelessness about her. Um, and I just really wish, you know, if you know her biography, you know, she did not live to see her great popularity mm-hmm. even in her lifetime. She became popular after her death, but not to near to the degree she is now. Mm-hmm. So I wish that she could somehow know that because I think it would have just so blessed her. Yeah. to see how so much, she's inspired so many people for all the hard work that she did and the voice that she gave to women writers yeah it's one of those it's one of those really tragic situations for sure yes and you know one of the issues she was writing to um, in her in her books multiple uh, multiple things in her books was the in England the laws that were so unfair towards women right and how women were disenfranchised because of it and couldn't even inherit property if, if they were if there was an entailment on the property which is what we get into in pride and prejudice and um and other books and so she was writing actually to speak out for women you know these are great stories and they warm our heart and they're great love stories but her intent went much deeper than just telling a nice story so mm-hmm. um She's to be applauded for her bravery, definitely. I totally agree, and I think that's one of the things that I that um, you know we would I would always classify Jane Austen if she was writing now as like as a romance writer. But what she does so well, and what so many really great romance writers do, is they're able to to discuss these social issues in a way that is completely relatable for the reader. Yes, and I think that that is one of the earmarks of what. Uh, gives credence to serious fiction mm-hmm. or fiction that, you know, has a strong takeaway versus maybe fluff that's just, you know, that doesn't deal with those kinds of deeper issues. Um, not to say that um, some good escape literature is a disgrace for all of us occasionally, not downplaying that at all, but that is one of the things that um, Jane Austen did was she really tackled those tough issues, but she still gave us a great storyline, an engaging storyline with characters you'll never forget. And my goal, uh, even as I started writing fiction uh, and other titles, was to model her in the way that she uh, brought her characters, her hero and heroine together, pulled them apart, brought them together, pulled them apart. And I used that model. And uh, the dance in Pride and Prejudice when Darcy and Elizabeth are dancing, mm-hmm. and that whole wine dance where they come together and pull apart. That is all a metaphor for the whole storyline. And I think for a method of writing uh, that really creates great 
great fiction and engaging fiction that keeps you reading. Absolutely. Yeah, that's one of my absolute favorite scenes in Pride and Prejudice. Um, but let's jump over to First Impressions, which is the first of your um, Jane, the re-release of the Jane Austen series. And this one is a modern day telling, but you've moved her from, you moved, uh, and her name is Edie, or is it Edie or Eddie? It's Eddie. Eddie. Eddie Boswick. Yeah. Um, so you uh-huh. now you've moved the wonderful uh, Elizabeth Bennett over to Texas, and she's got a new name. Um, can you tell us a little bit about sort of her story and her journey um, in First Impressions? Well, she moved to London, Texas, which uh, I chose that because we have in Texas and East Texas, we have a new London. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just thought, you know, that would be convenient. Um, and I like setting books in East Texas anyway, since that's where I'm from. So she moved there. She's a lawyer, a young, beautiful lawyer, um, blonde, and it's hard for people to take her seriously, but she is brilliant and um, pretty uh, pretty savvy in the courtroom. But she moves there and begins to want to get more into the social arena in a small town in East Texas. And so, of course, she has all the characteristics of the original Elizabeth Bennett. She is uh, spunky and feisty and strong-willed and will absolutely never marry anybody just because uh, he has money or, you know, notoriety or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so she moves in there, and they're putting on a uh, community theater is going to do Pride and Prejudice. And so the book opens with her uh, sitting there um, in that in that, in the uh, parlor of the lady who's going to be directing Pride and Prejudice, and the opening lines of uh, of my book are the same as Jane Austen's. It's a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. <laughs> and so they read that. That's the way it opens. But what I did with uh, Pride and Prejudice from there is I, I viewed this, I'm sorry, first impressions, I'm sorry, but I viewed this novel as, Kind of like you do a musical. Mm-hmm. We all know we all know that um, people don't stand around and sing in, in life. You right. know, yeah. you, you don't do that. So everybody knows that. We accept that. So I I uh, pulled some punches a little bit in this in that I wanted this to be a celebration of Jane Austen, a first a first impression, which was actually her first title for Pride and Prejudice. Um, and so I had this group, the cast of characters actually involved in a play, but the characters that I constructed were based on the characters that were playing in the play. So that what you have is you have this play that's paralleling, paralleling uh, the Jane Austen play, paralle- paralleling the Jane Austen plot of First Impressions. And then as the, as the book gets closer and closer to the ending, the plots intermingle more and more until at the end they become one. And so we all know that wouldn't happen in real life. But um, it was something that I did, like they do when creating a musical, for fun and to celebrate Jane Austen and just kind of as a literary work, um, something to applaud. So Eddie Boswick, all the way through, stays true to that character of Elizabeth Bennett. She has a career. Um, she's not destitute like Elizabeth Bennett would have been, but uh, she has people in her life pressuring her to get married. So that's who she is. And some of that, you know, a lot of times that pressure can feel just as overwhelming even when you're trying to focus on yourself and be a career and focus on your career. Oh, yes. Absolutely. And my son and daughter are just graduating from college and my daughter, my son is going to get married uh, at the end of, uh, middle of July but my daughter is not, hasn't dated or anything. She she has told me that the pressure, they're at a Christian college Mm -hmm. and that the pressure that's placed on 
young people in that college to get a ring by spring, you know, and uh, it's just unbelievable. And she's watching people get engaged, and she's concerned that a lot of them are just getting engaged getting engaged in playing and get married because it's just the thing to do right versus because you're being pressured into it versus really is this really the person that i want to spend my life with and so yeah those pressures can be on even in our contemporary culture not only on young women but also young men and um it it's still a force in our society you know have you have you found your mate yet Mm -hmm. so that's where elizabeth is and of course darcy is too or uh, Dave Davidson, who plays the role of Darcy, he's 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 getting pressured as well. So, so yeah, sometimes it's just too too tricky. <laughs> <laughs> so you've so with um with first impressions and you, uh, you before we started chatting, you mentioned that um that you had to go back and reread it because you've written many books since the fifteen years have passed. Um, what was the most with, with new eyes and looking back at the book? What was the most surprising scene or the most enjoyable scene that you got to revisit when you were rereading the book? Oh, a couple of things. <laughs> what is so funny about this is I, I wrote this book, okay, and um, like you said, I, like I told you in private, I have done a lot of living, done a lot of writing, <laughs> done all sorts of stuff, and it's been fifteen years since I wrote the book, so I had to reread the book. Um, just to remember what I wrote. And, of course, I knew in general terms, but still, I'd, I had missed a lot of the details, so I was reading it. So in a, the opening chapter, you know, we know in Pride and Prejudice when uh, they're at this ball and Charles Bingley says, uh, well, what about you know, Elizabeth Bennett? She's uh, fairly handsome. And, and um, Darcy says, well, she's not handsome enough to tempt me. And, of course, Elizabeth just gets, all scandalized and her pride is hurt and all that kind of stuff. Well, the, uh, the setup I create is they're sitting out on the, uh, the porch of this old mansion. It's a wraparound porch, so you can only see, you know, you, you can't see the other person, but you can see their feet sticking out. So she's on one side of the porch, uh, uh, Dave Davidson and um, Calvin uh, are on the other side, and Calvin is, is playing Bingley. And so... Calvin starts telling Dave, well, what about, you know, what about Eddie? She, you know, you should, maybe you should date her. And he says, oh, no. And he starts listing all these reasons he, he shouldn't date her like, oh, she's just, you know, she's too prissy and she's too short. And so, <laughs> so Calvin says, well, she's as tall as I am. And then, and Dave says, well, you're too short, too. <laughs> <laughs> I was just started laughing out loud, and I wrote the book. I'm like, oh, it's funny. But then he tells, uh, Dave tells Calvin, she probably wears combat boots to bed. And, of course, Elizabeth is sitting here. I'm, I keep wanting to call him by their Jane Austen name. Right, so right. Sorry. <laughs> Eddie is sitting here listening, and uh, now she's just all scandalized, you know, and just like, just like Elizabeth originally was. The second thing that really got me in reading the book as a reader now, instead of, instead of the author, is um, I have this uh, this little like extra house, a, a, a little like a little workroom, little brick workroom out behind Darcy's house. I'm sorry, Dave's house, mm-hmm. and um, he's doing something in it. And from early in the book, the reader knows he's doing something out there, but you don't know what it is. And so Eddie starts being suspicious of him, like, well, is he, you know, 
is this illegal? Is he? <laughs> she's a lawyer, you know. And so her mind's trying to suspect all this stuff, and she's thinking maybe he's up to something that's just no good. And all through the book, and at one point, um, her sister Jenny says, oh, yeah, I'm sure he's probably smuggling diamonds over the Texas-Oklahoma border because you know that's just such a hot traffic area for smuggled diamonds. And, you know, she was just mocking her sister. And, of course, I was laughing about that. But then the thing that got me is I literally forgot what he was doing out there in the building. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. I was just like, so I thought I told my husband, he came home, I was reading the book, he came home and he's like, what's going on? And I said, I'm reading this book I wrote. And I said, I can't remember what he's doing out here in this building. And I said, it's about to drive me crazy. I said, it's just a page turner. I just kept turning it and turning it. You know, reading it and reading it and reading it. So anyway, um, if you're looking for a book that will kind of give you a little suspense and grip you, I can recommend First Impressions as a reader. That is so funny. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, if I know Bethany House is going to come and ask me to re-release these books, you know, I would have been reading them before, you know, before that happened. So sure. over, over a little bit of time, so I had time. But anyway, I just... I didn't, so here I am. <laughs> that is too funny. <laughs> oh, I think that that's great. I feel now I really want to know about authors rereading their books years later, what they forgot and what they remembered. That is too funny. <laughs> well, you know, when you look at, I mean, like I've written over 50 books. Mm-hmm. And after a while, over a span of what, let's see, maybe 25, 26 years. 28 years, something like that. So, like, sometimes it just it gets to be too much and you just can't remember everything. Especially when you get, I'm in my 50s now, and I tell people, you know, I don't have Alzheimer's, I have 50s Alzheimer's. So anybody <laughs> out there listening who's 50 or over, you get it. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So we, we can forget things years later. So anyway, <laughs> that's us. Uh, that's been my experience (laughs) that is too funny so um speaking of what you have been reading um other than your own book one of the things we like to do on the fresh fiction podcast is we like to talk about um what we're watching what we're reading and what we're listening to um other than rereading first impressions are you reading anything else right now well in my other life i have uh, multiple irons in the fire so i actually teach college english oh wow and so um and I'm actually working on a PhD. Oh, congrats. So, yeah. So, I've been reading a lot of PhD required reading, and uh, it's not anything anybody wants to hear about, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, I really, you know, I continually engage and re-engage in, uh, in classic literature because of my, uh, because I teach. And one of the things that I'm engaging with right now is uh, a classic work by George Bernard Shaw, Pygmalion. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're even familiar with that or not, but they uh, released it as a, a movie, a black-and-white movie in, I believe, 1938. But it's uh, the same work, uh, the same play that My Fair Lady is based on right. and that I believe Pretty Woman is based on and uh, has a lot of deeper social context. So that's where my brain is right now uh, with that. So um, that's probably not really, uh, probably not, uh, probably kind of uh, anticlimactic. It's not really grandiose, but anyway, that's where I am. That's funny, but that's you know what? It's always great to go back and look at the classics and hang out with your old friends. So that's you know, I like I like when you get to go and revisit things that you at different stages in your life. Yes, absolutely. And absolutely. then, oh yeah, I'm sorry. Oh no, you go ahead. 
I was just going to say, I think you were asking me when I was watching. Yes. Um, we are very big fans of all of the Christian movies that are coming out from Hollywood or wherever they come out from, mm-hmm. not necessarily Hollywood. So every time uh, a Christian movie hits the theaters, we are there. Um, we want to support that effort. And I was so excited the last time we went, I believe it was to see God's Not Dead 3. Mm-hmm. Um, in the in the theater, there were three Christian movies running and then a fourth one that was on its way. And wow. to me, that is just so inspiring that, that the Christian message is really impacting our movie theaters and, and being a major presence. And we're using, as a Christian community, community um, the theater as a tool of leading people to Christ. So we've seen God's Not Dead 3. I can only imagine we went to see that. I was going to ask if you had seen that because that's the last one oh, that I had heard of. Yeah. It is awesome. Love it. And um, I don't know if the Apostle Paul is still showing or not. We haven't made it yet for that, but I would really like to see that. And then um, my husband and I just watched together a movie from 2005 called Because of Winn-Dixie. And it had a lot of Christian things in it as well. That was a really cute movie. I like that movie a lot. It's very cute. Yeah, it was cute. Yeah. So anyway, that's, uh, you know, one of my favorite movies uh, is Parent Trap. The old parent trap. Mm-hmm. With Haley Mills, uh, one of my faves. Yeah, I just love it. So uh, my tastes tend to run uh, somewhat classic and uh, maybe cute, I guess. It's very comforting. It's like it's like having comfort food. I love that. Do you um, yes. do you listen to any like uh, music or podcasts or audiobooks? Um, I listen to Christian music all the time, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the one of my favorite genres that I engage with over and over is well, I think Chris Tomlin is the one that maybe broke the ice on this if I'm not mistaken is the remix of the classic hymns with contemporary music oh, wow I love those and so I find a lot of joy in listening to those kinds of songs but I do a lot of listening to that I really purposefully um, bathe my mind in things of the Word of God and things that to my heart to sing is praise. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I don't turn off contemporary culture completely. You know, I keep up with the major news and, you know, those kinds of things. Um, but I don't bathe my mind in it um, because I really want to keep my focus on Christ and where, you know, where my strength lies. So I listen to a if I'm going to listen to music, it's going to be um, Christian music, and I really, really prefer contemporary Christian music. So um, I, I really like to look Craig and Dean, um, those kinds of artists, that kind of sound. I really love Big Daddy Wee. From the time I get up in the morning and I hit my bathroom to start getting ready, I have that Christian music playing, and I just try to keep it going in my downtime, you know, yeah. if I'm not otherwise engaged. So that's... Uh, it keeps your heart and your brain in a good place for sure absolutely because you know there's so much bad publicity out um and i believe that the media i'm not anti-media don't get me wrong but i just think so many times there's such a hyper focus on the bad that's happening in our world that we can miss out again to think that that really is the majority of what's going on when in reality god is really much at work Mm-hmm. in our world and there's a lot of good that goes on and I just want to you know 
fulfill scripture and whatsoever things are. Yeah, keeping the positivity is good. Very... Yes. Yes. That's awesome. That's a very right. good place to be, I bet, mentally. And, and it right. just keeps you in a, yeah, in a really nice, positive headspace for sure. Um, how can uh, readers find out more about you and stay in touch with you? Um, I have a website. I have a newly built website. Ooh, um, fancy. Yes. Um, by my, uh, after this happened, I posted on Facebook that I was going to start a business renting out millennials for professional online services because I could make a million dollars <laughs> because my, my my assistant, a.k.a. my daughter, mm-hmm. and my uh, second assistant, a.k.a. my soon-to-be daughter-in-law, uh, actually uh, put this together for me, and I'm very thankful for their effort. Um, but it's just DebraWhiteSmith.com, and it's D-E-B-R-A, White, the color, Smith.com. And there's just all kinds of goodies there for you to see, and I have a blog. Um, and then of course I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Great. Awesome. Well, Deborah, thank you so much. And we are so excited about first impressions and then the rest of the books that are in the Jane Austen series. I know, um, that readers are going to be super thrilled for the ones who have followed the series for the last, for many years. They're excited to see it in E and then for, um, new readers, they're probably super excited to discover a new, um, retelling of Pride and Prejudice and all the other Jane Austen classics. That's great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. You too. God bless. Thank you.